First Time Feelings is a monthly podcast hosted by two Melbourne women exploring universal human experiences via micro-narratives based on first-time feelings. Whether it be shame, guilt, longing, anxiety or lust, each anecdote is an honest, witty and relatable vignette that taps into the messy human journey we're all on. Naming and reclaiming emotion, one feeling at a time. Hello, I'm Crystal. And I'm Ruth. Thanks for joining us for the second episode of First Time Feelings, a podcast dedicated to dissecting formative experiences and the new emotional landscape navigated as a result. This episode is about longing, which is a very primal emotion, very nascent in our development as babies and children, but also in our introduction into romantic love. It's also a very ambiguous emotion, the memory of which has resulted in very different narratives for both of us. Of longing, Carson McCullers says we are homesick most for places we have never known, which could also mean many different things. Home can be found in a lover, a parent, or a place. His name was James Thorne a skater boy from New Zealand, and we'd been dating for all of one month. I couldn't believe my parents were forcing me to go to England for seven weeks on an awful backpacking holiday, ripping me away from my tall, dimple-faced boy or scratched knees and cheeky grins. He wasn't much of a talker, a simple mind who came alive as soon as he jumped on that board. Some minds have no need to run themselves ragged with thought. They just are. They accept. They don't question. They are not consumed. I liked James a lot. It was puppy love, but those foundational sensations of intimacy with another human being were bubbling in my adolescent brain. I was not present on the plane. My mind was distracted by the physical memory of our last day together. I brushed my lips against my hand, running it along my forefinger, stopping to draw little circles. When his tongue wrapped around mine, it set off signals all over my body. How did he do that? Did he know he was doing that? Was it just him that could do this to me? Was he feeling it too? It made me think about sex and what it would feel like. But more than anything, it made me wonder what this feeling I had never felt before was. A strange, guttural ache, an inability to think of anything else. The twinge of longing had never entered into my emotional sphere before. The physical intimacy weaved together with the emotional connection was something new to me. This attraction to another human being that makes you want to touch them, stroke their hair, tease them so they smile, tell them all their positive qualities, see their flaws and pay them no heed, enjoy them as you sink into each other. I thought back to our last day together. It was a regular after-school date that involved walking across the sun-bleached oval in the direction of our houses. We passed groups of our peers, laughing, sneaking cigarettes, consuming bags of processed sugar. We strolled by at a leisurely pace, hand in hand, eager to make it to some secluded side street. Privacy was a much sought-after luxury at age 14. As we crossed the second stretch of open grass that lay opposite our school oval, the final frontier of occupation for students loitering at the day's end, we were finally alone in the back streets of Mount Lawley. Our shoulders dropped and we relaxed into our seclusion. James ran ahead and jumped onto a small brick fence, skipping along it with a balance only achieved through pure enthusiasm. I trailed behind, failing miserably at hiding the big grin that was starting to emerge. He glanced behind me, shooting me a smile that threatened to take over his whole face. 
No wonder we couldn't relax around the crowds at school. Love is hard to hide and no one with a shred of schoolyard cred wishes to be seen shooting adoring glances at their newfound infatuation. Suddenly a hand on my shoulder abruptly disrupts my train of thought. My mum has leaned over to shake me out of my daydream. Crystal, what on earth are you thinking about? Can't you see we're about to take off? Buckle your seatbelt and listen to the flight attendant. How long had I been sitting here ruminating about my lanky, bright-eyed skater boy? Uh, Back to reality, a long plane ride, a foreign country, and miles of backpacking through the cold and gloom. Didn't they realize I'd just discovered what it was like to feel this deep down in the pit of my stomach, all-consuming feeling? At least they could let me bemoan this forced separation from my love in peace. I took out my copy of Porno by Irvine Welsh, out of my backpack defiantly. If I couldn't daydream, I would sulk and read about a bunch of scag boys trying to make a quick buck from filming people having sex. It seemed like a life so far away from mine, and it excited me. I was 14, and I knew nothing yet of sex or drugs or the seedy underbelly that lurked in dark bars and back alleys, but my curiosity was piqued. Experience and adventure lay in the pages of this book, and escapism seemed like a good distraction from the dull ache I had for a boy, the most foreign emotion at the time, but merely the first of many times I would go on to feel it. So, uh, what's his real name? Well, I can't bloody say that, (laughs) can I? (laughs) Well, okay. So can we can we say Skater Boy X? Um, yeah. Look, you... I think if he heard this, he would like one hundred percent know it was about him. But um, anyway, that's just well, that may may or may not ever happen. So <laughs> I have you. So worry about it. Have you Google stalked or Facebook stalked him? Um, like maybe once, like ten years ago. Yeah. So not recently. No. Are you trying to say, am I still in love with no. him? <laughs> Jesus, Bruce. No, no. I'm just curious because, like, I think that is super interesting to sort of see. It actually can be a bit depressing, though, too. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, nope, not recently. I think maybe when, you know, when Facebook, Facebook first, first came started, out, yeah, possibly yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, but I am happy to say that I, this writing this has not made me be a creep to go and see what he is doing. <laughs> it, I don't recommend it. I've done something similar and it's actually it's quite depressing. Um, and on that note, because this was probably pre-Facebook, like... Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. this was like... Pre-MySpace. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I'm trying to think back to what year it would have actually been. Maybe like... 98? Yeah. So yeah. it was like, I mean, unless you were pretty savvy, you might not have had email even or... I think I I think I maybe had email and um, MSN. Yeah, right. So did the you... The oldie MSN. <laughs> did you keep in touch? After high school? Or um, like when or, like when you oh, were in Europe, like oh, were you going into oh, yeah, like internet yeah, okay, cafes okay. sending like um, torrid emails like... Oh God, you're really testing my memory because I, I'm quite old. No, um, and this is a long time ago. Uh, I think so, but to be perfectly honest, I cannot quite remember. I don't know if we were at 
that point. Like I remember having a mobile phone and we definitely, you know, would text back and forth. But I don't think I was allowed to take my mobile phone on holiday. <laughs> and I certainly wasn't allowed to get like an international uh, phone card to text in. <laughs> so when you came back from Europe, was it just all over or was it like... Um, Yes, it actually was all over um, and and things had changed and he had fallen for someone else and it was very sad and depressing and I was very upset. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I lived. I yeah. lived. Um, but it definitely kind of, um, you know... It was an extension of that of that feeling of longing, which yeah, then turned into um, teenage heartbreak. Yeah, of course. So it's like all everything's like in Technicolor, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah. Longing, separation, and then betrayal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. the first time I was kind of like, oh, things don't go right yeah. all the time. It, yeah, yeah. And that being said, I did bounce back pretty. I would quick. say you would have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that's also the wonderful thing about that age is yeah. like you're like it's devastation, but then it's like you know I don't know like like a week. Or yeah, two it's weeks like later, devastation it's like, for a week. Yeah, and just and like for twenty four hours yeah. on that, especially I don't know. I really felt her on the plane. Ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think as we got there, and even though you there, like distracted. there literally was a lot of backpacking in the gloom, like yeah the weather wasn't great and it was just like my feet were hurting a lot and apparently um my parents kept saying crystal you are you purposely dragging your feet like <laughs> all across the uk and i was like no i'm just tired and like do all families just like backpack everywhere yeah i actually i mean that sounds kind of fun to me but i think as a 14 year old i would have been intolerable doing that I would uh, have. I would have just been like. Oh no! Sul- like I would have been sulking. I believe I was in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly like this. I think this piece like really captures the tone of the whole holiday. Yeah. I was just like, you are dragging me away. Yeah. You are horrible people. You are ruining my life. Yeah. Um. I must admit, like after reading it out, I was really like, uh, cringe. Like, yeah. just cringe because you know teenagers are so self-involved. Yeah, they totally. are so self-indulgent. Yeah. Instead but, of being like, wow, I'm going to Europe. I'm just like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like, you're tearing me away from my crush. <laughs> and I just keep thinking of that National Lampoon's vacation um, where they go, oh, it's a European vacation, and um, the da- teenage daughter is separated from her teenage boyfriend and they're always like making out and like in this like really disgusting way and she like racks up a bill of like i don't know like a thousand euro or something like yeah that, yeah i'm um, calling the boyfriend actually so. we watched this quite recently oh, did you? <laughs> so i'm like oh yeah i remember yeah that i remember that hey yeah, kids vividly. it's big ben yeah 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 <laughs> cool well i reckon um i guess it's, it's time it's for me to to read my me somber piece And this is called Hope is a Great White Shark. When I was in year one, on half days, we drove in the Kingswood to the beach in the heat of midday. Opposite our beach, there was a shop that had a giant shark's jaw hanging in the entrance. It sold coral jewellery and trinkets. We bought frozen orange juice and hot dogs from the canteen and walked along the beach. These were the days I thought I could see out to Africa, but it was actually Rottnest Island. 
One time before she left, a time I could not remember anymore, she'd showed up to swimming lessons very late. I'd been listlessly doggy paddling in the chlorinated water, visibly depressed. And I swam up to a woman who I thought was her in the same 80s bathers, a mauve one-piece with silver panels. Up close, I thought it was her. It was embarrassing, crushing. But then I saw her walking into the pool. My heart went into my throat. It had wings. My mother was not, as she put it, a tracksuit mum, nor was she a tuck shop mum, which I desperately wanted her to be. She was not, in fact, like anyone's mum, not one that I'd met anyway. Her hair was bleach blonde. She wore satin and crushed velvet, tie-dyed outfits and bright Converse sneakers. She looked like Michelle Pfeiffer and she did not like the suburbs. So she left. She moved to New York City and married a man who looked like Tom Selleck. There are a lot of reasons why she did. I could see it wasn't that simple. There was a green cellophane patch that covered our kitchen window, the exit wound of the mug that she'd hurled at my dad. I thought it was pretty, like stained glass, but it also scared me. Still, the time after she left, I waited for her, convinced that the same magic that vanished her would make her reappear. I dreamed of her. I wrote her. When are you coming back? I miss you. I love you so much. The cards and letters she wrote back told funny travel stories, asked questions about school and friends, contained private jokes and promises. I collected and stashed them in a unicorn folder. It had double pockets, a glossy exterior, and pictured a white horse with a purple and pink neon background, a lightning bolt forking the sky. I played in the garden for hours making up stories about where she was and what America was like, what it would be like when we joined her there. She was finding herself. She had to get away. Did I understand? She loved me. She loved us. I remembered the papery feel of her hands, the smell of her sun cream and perfume. She loved bounties, anything coconut, the colour apricot, anything tropical. She was a summer person. I knew everything that she liked, and I actually kept lists. She always signed her letters to me, Mummy, and to my brother, Catherine the Great. I knew she was suffering too, so I think I understood. But it was like time had been divided, BC, before Catherine, age 6, 7, and AC, after 10, when I went to the US to be with her and my stepdad. The in-between time yawned. It looked and felt endlessly lonely. I lived in hope. Her voice on the phone. A postcard, a letter, her clothes which smelled like mothballs in the mirrored wardrobe still. My father saying, she's never coming back for you. The school said the same. They made her say it back. It was like a cult deprogramming. But I believed in her. She was my faith. It was filled with all kinds of daydreams and endless building and dashing of hope. I believed in her. She was coming back. She wrote it in her letters. The worst was an April Fool's from a kid in my year who said, come quick, your mum's on the oval, she's waiting for you. I don't think it was malicious. The kid had probably done the same prank to a few others, but their mothers were not AWOL. I ran out into the oval, where we ran all morning with ice cream buckets on our head to escape magpie attacks. I waited, my heart in my throat and my excitement building. I stood there like I was waiting for the assignation or the second coming. Then it sunk into my gut when I realised. I cannot explain that bitter brick of disappointment. The longing was never sweet. It was bile and blood. It started out like love and it became something hard. On the oval, the sound of magpies, the Perth afternoon, was stullifying, endless. It transformed my love into something hard, something with teeth. Hope is something with teeth.
Well, <laughs> well, that was, it's a really heartbreaking and life changing event. And, um, I just picture you so clearly rushing out onto the school oval thinking your mum had returned only to realise that it was a prank and that's so crushing. Um, Yeah, your mum leaving must have been really hard to understand at such a young age. Mm, I think, yeah, I think it was pretty incomprehensible intellectually. Like, But I do think emotionally I sort of did, like... I did understand on a level, like I knew that she had other things going on. And, and I think as I, I'm kind of like the age now that she was when yep. she left. And I think about, um, you know, like if something had completely overwhelmed me emotionally, if I was in a really unhappy marriage, um, you know, all of the factors it makes more sense. I do have compassion, but yeah, it was, I think it was as a child, you can, you can have an emotional understanding, but at the same time, it is still so confusing. And it's also that at the end, you're also, your sense of time is so different too. Things feel mm. endless. Like, you know, you don't have that same, um, sense of marking time and, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like, um, you know, your world is, suddenly, you know, tipped on its side because your parents are kind of, you know. Your world. Yeah, 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 they are your world, yeah. yeah. And um, how, when you're finally, you know, together again with her, how did you feel like your relationship had changed? Well, yeah, I think that, that's interesting because, um, you know, we were really, really close, my mum and my brother and I. We were like the three amigos and, um, uh we were, um, you know, we did everything together. Um, and there was obviously that emotional closeness too. And I think there was a great deal of resentment, um, between, um, us, I think even more so with me and my mum. Um, mm. uh, and I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure why that is. Um, but I definitely think that I became, um, like quite hardened in some ways. And, and partly that is because, um, like I always had a very independent sort of streak. Um, but you know, I adored, I really adored her. And then, um, I think I had to become incredibly, um, resilient and independent for, you know, in a time when I really, um, shouldn't have had to have, have been and look after myself. So I really resented her suddenly coming in to kind of parent me. Um, and put a bit rules and parameters around me when I was like, I clearly, you know, have been doing this and I'm, mm, I'm, I've been you know, operating. I bit, yeah. On my own, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I definitely, um, I would say that I became very autonomous, um, and that I really resented that. And I, I just really did not feel, I think also with my father, I didn't, um, I, I never really ex respected his authority in the same way or like, um, sort of accepted his rules and things like that. So it was like she she suddenly kind of went, was like, okay, well, now we're back to normal. But I was like, you know, part of me was obviously happy but and, and wanted that, but I, I couldn't really accept it either. So that caused a lot of predictions between us. So mm. Mm. Um, my, my last question is kind of more of a just comment. <laughs> but I've also had a lot of unicorn stationery. <laughs> um, 
But but like I also just want to highlight that I think those little details kind of they're almost like you know they they really add to the to the knife in in the heart of of the story when you're telling it because it's sort of you know you can just picture so vividly this this young innocent girl yeah who you know is surrounded by young innocent girl things like unicorn stationery um sitting there yearning for you know you're yearning for your mom um surrounded by these like happy joyful things and it, it just kind of um yeah it really paints the picture and kind of intensifies the situation yeah I think that everyone has a special um place uh where they stash their their special things when they're a kid too you Mm. know um I always wanted a Polly Pocket. I don't know if you ever had a Polly Pocket. Oh, yeah. I feel like I had like five. I, w- I so badly want to. I fucking, I'm going to get I a Polly Pocket. I think you can pocket. buy them off <laughs> I'm eBay getting, I'm getting, I think they sell for like a reasonable price. I'm totally getting myself. Retro a, toys. I, I'm getting a Polly Pocket. Um, oh. Yeah. It Your was birthday like, in October. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like even having a diary was like so, like with a lock. Oh, like yeah, I, you know, yeah. like that's so cool. And the, a thing where you put all your, your special stuff. And actually, sadly, um, that unicorn folder and also it had all my short stories and stuff. Um, my juvenile, juvenilia. Um, and um, I had to leave it behind in Ireland and then I remember like I, I, I like writing to my auntie and I feel like still even like occasionally I'm like have you found it because I mean, they, they lived in the same house I, I still want it I still want it I yeah. still got it was so interesting I've I've got a couple of old letters that my mum's got from me at that time and from my brother but I really I bloody want that unicorn folder I you know it's like Mr Burns and his teddy bear I'm like yeah. one day I hope that it, it will return it will return yeah. yeah it was pretty good yeah well I hope you get it back thanks yeah thanks all right. Well, I think that's episode two done and dusted. Um, thank you so much for continuing to listen to the podcast. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And everyone give Ruth the, the massive virtual hugs for that <laughs> difficult scenario to have to deal with as a young girl. Um, but yeah, you can download First Time Feelings from the iTunes podcast app. It's the little purple one. And you can follow us via First Time Feels podcast on Instagram to get your news and updates. Mm-hmm.